Hello, welcome to Untelecast. This is Brian Lamar joining me in the studio. Brian Peterson. Hey, Brian. Hey, how are you? All right. Is this two in a row or two of the last three? We've two been of the person? last three we've been in person. I think if we can keep this up, like every other one, we'll see each other. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're better or worse. Hey, give us some feedback. Can you tell we're in the <laughs> office? <laughs> it's kind of cool being back in the office and recording like the old days. Don't have my dog snoring in the background. People mowing my lawn. Kids jumping in your lap. The ice cream truck going by my street. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is season four, episode twenty-five. This episode, as always, brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. Reach out to us at Intellicast at emi-rs.com. Follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research or Intellicast One. You can call or text at 513-401-5463. We might take some live calls one episode. We should do a call-in episode. Yeah, kind of a Ask Me Anything type thing. <laughs> yeah, let's do an Ask Me Anything episode. Okay. That would be kind of cool. Let's start collecting those questions now. When we have enough, we'll do that episode. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, just kind of a random Q&A, asking Brian anything, asking me anything. Maybe we'll have a guest on and that a way that there's more than just my and your opinion. We'll get assistant producer Emma to oh my come gosh. in and read the questions. Assistant producer Emma added on. Yeah, we'll get her involved. That'll be fun. Yeah. Love that. I added the section of current events. Okay, what do you got? Sample Con just ended. Yes. Mary Rose Draper, who attended, had a great time. She's going to give an update to the company at this week's company meeting. And then we'll probably, I don't know if I'll summarize it or have her summarize it. I think we should have her back on, maybe not for a full episode, but maybe a segment of an episode. Yeah. So, you know, we'll get her on maybe next week. Um, The Idea Council, that was from the Insight Association. That met last week in a couple of days. I haven't watched those recordings yet. Um, And then I looked, like, what the upcoming conferences are. I think the next in-person conference might be our little Insights Association one here locally. The one here in Cincinnati? Or I guess northern Kentucky? Yeah, about a mile from Cincinnati yeah. in Covington, Kentucky. That's September 8th through 10th. That is the Great Lakes Chapter, the final ever Great Lakes Chapter conference, which is very sad. Are we going to have a big blowout as part of that? Yes. Is it being the last one? There's going to be a big blowout. So if you're listening and you are a former MRA member... Casro member, Insight Association member that used to be involved. Um, plan on coming the September 8th through 10th. It's going to be fun. When we were talking about planning the other day in our board meeting, people got really sad. And like there was like people were talking about memories from back in the 80s. It was really kind of cool. I've been involved rather recently, but some of these people have been involved for 30 plus years. It's kind of crazy. Last ever Great Lakes chapter is the Insight Association is kind of reorganizing somewhat and, um, to be a little bit more consistent. And so we're merging with another chapter, which we're pretty excited about, but changes things a little bit. But September 8th through 10th, Covington, Kentucky, it's going to be a blast. If you're looking for somewhere to be, um, more information will come out soon, but those are the dates. And since I'm the treasurer, I have written some checks, so I know. <laughs> you kind of know what's going to happen. I know the dates are set in stone. Um, so that's That's the current events. All right, that's cool. Moving on, we have an article you and I wanted to discuss. You sent this to me yesterday. Yeah. Um, It is from Politico. The title is Pollsters. It's impossible to say why the 2020 polls were wrong. And listeners are probably thinking, guys, it's midway through 2021. Why are we talking about this? But APOR, the kind of governing body for pollsters, has released a report on why it the polls were wrong for, what, the second presidential 
round in a row. Yeah. It kind of summarizes why, and it wasn't just, they got into it of why it wasn't just the presidential ones were wrong, where in fact it was actually the state ones that were, they were more off by, which is the first time. Yeah. Um, I have some thoughts around this, but I'll let you jump in first. Um, <laughs> first of all, the APOR report, if you should decide to read it, which I've downloaded it and I've kind of scanned it, 105 pages long, giant committee of people that worked on this. So it's people from CNN, Gallup, Ipsos, a bunch of universities, including Emory and Duke and Vanderbilt, the Pew Research Center, CBS News, Penn, um, New Hampshire. So it's a very well-rounded group of people. And in fact, I can't believe they got it out already, this report. So a lot of great, smart people working together. They go into a lot of depth of why polls were off. And like you said, and they looked at all kinds of state level stuff and they looked at different methodologies. So phone versus phone online versus IVR versus, I mean, there's like eight different combinations of things Mm -hmm. they looked at with the previous couple of elections. It's pretty impressive. Okay. Um, If you are really into politics and a lot of our listeners are, I would certainly not just read the Politico article because that's kind of a mainstream summary of the APOR findings. Get into the details with APOR. Having said that, (laughs) as if we didn't have enough problems with freaking polling, this is the headline. And that's probably, that's a great headline. Possible to say why 2020 polls were wrong. New report couldn't answer the big question plaguing political polling. Why were surveys off by so much in 2020? We had Jeremy Zogby on last year. His poll was within the margin of error. Yep. He was one of the very few that actually nailed it. Yep. So it was towards the outer end of the of the margin of error, but it was within the margin of error. And that's yep. the whole thing about polling is within the margin of error. I think, in my opinion, having not read 105 pages or not being a um, pollster, for sure, mm-hmm. I think non-response bias is, is, is changing so fast with the methodologies that we're utilizing that... Non-response bias is means that the people that aren't taking your poll are different than the people that are taking your poll. So the poll that you're taking is not representative and doesn't represent the broader population. That's that's a basic tenet of polling. Interview 300 people in New Hampshire should represent the entire state of New Hampshire within a margin of error, and it should work, right? Yep. I think that's just my amateur pollster observation professional market researcher (laughs) yes 25 plus years in the business and has worked at a lot of polling companies by the way but not a pollster that's my my first response is that the the landscape has changed so fast with ivr phone in person online panels and non-probability sampling that we can't measure non-response by so uh, you had some thoughts too yeah so i'm gonna go more layman (laughs) yeah casual observer of politics you're you're a smart guy and you know a little bit about this stuff i i read the political article i read the headline and i just reading the headline i'm like well i could tell you that i don't (laughs) i don't think i need to read the 120 page apor report for it to tell me um let's look at some of the other things around that have come out since then yeah there was an article there was a report i want to say a month or so ago that said um panels skewed more democrat yeah so right off right there so you've already skewed your sample 
Yep. Because they skew more to the left. Yep. Second, think of all of the people on the right who didn't like are now saying they're not believing election results. They're yep. they believe there's microchips in vaccines, all of that. They don't trust anything. Yeah, there's, there's distrust in um, news. There's distrust in social media. There's distrust in polling. Just, 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 in... just vast distrust yes. in conspiracy type stuff. So some of it ha- legitimate, some of it not. Correct. Yeah. So you have that large group of people because yeah. it's not a small group anymore. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a decent size. We, I read an article the other day that said that we thought this was a small group of people, but in the past five ish years, we've realized that is not a small group of people. No, it is a significant part of the population. Let, I don't know if it's twenty percent. Let's call it. Let's call it like thirty. Or th- right, and that will throw everything haywire. Right. So if you have that chunk of the population yeah. that is already underrepresented in yeah. the places where you sample, yeah, that can skew your res- that right there. That's your answer. That is why they were wrong. Yeah, and, and what mean, what you're saying is basically much more depth into non-response bias because right. you you use the technical term. Yes, you're you're just talking. Yeah. Yes, if you have a group of people, especially significantly large, that don't trust polls, and CNN calls you and says, "Who are you going to vote for?" They're not going to answer. Or well, if University of New Hampshire, even academic institution, will call you. There's that component to it. Then there's also the component. Just think now, more people are on mobile phones, and they're weary of yeah. Numbers they don't know calling. Yeah. I mean, I'll an- I've answered the poll. I answered the polls this time around. Yeah. I, it's rare that I actually answered a phone number that I didn't know. My right. first thing, it's a, I'm always on automatic. I'm screening the calls. If a number pops up that I don't know, I'm not answering. Yeah. And if it's one, if they leave a message, I'll call you back. Cause yeah. that, that means you really meant to call me. But with yeah. all of your, Robo dialer, spam calls, scams, all of that. There's that thrown into it too. So I'm more middle, middle leaning right a little bit. But with that, even I'm not taking a lot of them anymore. So if I'm feeling that way and we work in this industry, that's a general perspective that maybe it's time to look at how we do this kind of stuff. I understand what. Eight years ago, two presidential runs ago, phone was the gold standard. Honestly, if we took a poll in our office today, how many people do you think would answer have a landline phone? I'm going to say less than 10%. Yeah, definitely less than 10%. That means three people, two, three yeah, people. Yeah, two, three people. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yep. Uh, the people I know that have landline phones, they're not my age. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. They're, they're yeah. in the... 45 plus and a lot more of the plus. Yeah. Well, this is a challenge, not just in America. We've, I mean, this is just, you know, it's snowballing, right? Right. Israel, UK, Australia, Canada. We've had some challenging polling results and election results. Um, we really, really need a giant PR campaign <laughs> um, because it's not just polling. It's kind of trickling into more general marketing research. Yep. Um, so, yeah. It's a, the, tr- the trust is lost in a lot of things. Yeah. And I don't know how you get that back for, for within some people. Yes. I just texted Adam Dietrich. That's what I was doing when you're like, what, yep. what is he doing? I texted Adam Dietrich and I joke around with, we need to get so-and-so on the podcast. I just te- 
former poll party host. Poll party. That was the name of the podcast that he did yep. here. And he's much more into the political polling stuff now than yep. he was even here at EMI. Um, he's awesome. He'd be awesome to talk to about this. And I'm just basically scheduled him. Well, maybe we'll come back to this topic in the next couple of weeks and he'll have some strong opinions and it'd be fun to kind of get him back on the podcast. Yeah. Should we move on to some market research news, or do we have anything else we want to cover on this piece? No, I think we're good. If you, if other people have thoughts on this... Yeah, let us know. Yeah, let us know. You want to come on and talk about it. That'd be great, because neither of us are pollsters. We're just kind of talking, and we're somewhat educated on the topic, but certainly don't work at a polling company. Right. So... Let's move into some market research news. Okay. Uh, the first news story we have is from another Cincinnati-based market research firm, the Garage Group. Yeah. Um, they are a consultancy, and it has been acquired by two of its leadership members, Megan Pillar and Aaron Falk. They spent the last five-plus years at Garage Groups doing the day-to-day stuff and have served on the leadership team and are now and have purchased it from their former owners. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Garage Group. Um, I worked with them a lot when I was really focused on the AMA. They're really involved in the AMA. Good people, really smart. They do more agile kind of stuff. Um, But it's kind of cool to see, instead of a company selling to the highest bidder, you know, Nielsen and Ipsos and Dynata seem to feel like they buy, and Kantar buy everything. It's kind of cool to see some small business owners. And if the owner has a different idea, wants to change the course of what she wants to do, Ann Thompson, who's amazing. Yep. Um, sell the, ask the people in the company, you want to buy this? Let's figure out a way to let the people that have worked here retain ownership of the company, maintain the same direction. Direction, culture, yeah. all that, yeah. So, I mean, big kudos to the Garage Group for doing that. And the people, and I don't know them. I don't know I don't know Megan and... And um, Aaron, I don't know either of them. I think I've run into Megan. I think I've seen her speak at a conference, but I knew Anne. And um, and really smart stuff. So I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Our next story is another different ownership change. Uh, GJS Research, uh, the market research firm based in the UK, have announced it has become employee-owned, effective immediately. The company's shareholders, founder and managing director Danny Sims, and Ali Sims sold their majority stake of the business to the staff, and they will own it jointly through the Employee Ownership Trust. What do you think of that? Similar. I mean, maybe this is a trend, right? Yeah. That's probably why you put these stories back to back. Cool stuff. And we know here locally, Directions Research and Burke Research have been employee owned, um, either now or in the past. And there's certainly a lot of advantages. I mean, we know the Directions Research people have a lot of friends that work there. They work their butts off because they get a piece of the pie at the end of the day. And yep. not just today. Maybe it might be 10, 20, 30 years down the road when they retire. But you have a, such a different stake in the game. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad to see this happening at Garage Group. Glad to see this happening at DGS Research and other companies that's happening as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. Our next story is that Kantar has completed its acquisition of Numerator. The deal that you and I actually talked about back in April when it was announced will see Numerator remain as a standalone business for the time being, but in the long term, it will support Kantar's World Panel division and U.S. ad intelligence business. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about what will happen here. Um, we've mentioned this before, but I really hope... I mean, Numerator is really a cool brand. does some really cool stuff. I hope they keep it somewhat separate and not kind of engulf it into 
some other business unit at Kantar. Um, we'll see how this goes. I, you know, it always makes me nervous when they say for, in the short term, in the long term, they kind of have kind of plans to kind of merge it in with other. I'm wondering when they mean by like in the long term, it'll support that piece. I'm wondering yeah. if they're going to take the components yeah. out and be able to offer that across all the yeah. other Kantar components. Yeah, maybe it's a Shopper Insights division, and part of that is um, Numerator, and part of that is a bunch of other brands that they have, right? Let's yeah. hopefully do it like that. That would be the – if I were running Kantar, which, by the way, um, if Kantar you want to reach out and you need a new CEO, I would take CEO. I think – didn't they just get a new one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Let's give the guy a few months. <laughs> I'm only I'm only kidding. Um, if if I were running Cantar, if I were in charge of the board of directors, I would keep it separate. But you know, I obviously haven't seen the financials on, yeah. on anything. But just from a branding perspective, it makes sense and what the benefits the numerator provides. The other thing is, I noticed it. That seemed quick in terms of yeah. closing the acquisition. You're yeah. talking when this came out. It was early July. This yeah. came out what I think mid to late April. Yeah. So less than three months. Yeah, and obviously with global companies, there's like all kinds of challenges with approvals and yeah. and stuff. Cantar obviously being UK based, but also global and Numerator. I'm not sure how far they got. It might have been US only, so they might have made it easier. Yeah. Um, next up is a proposed Uniform Personal Data Protection Act um, is seen to be posing problems for our insight industry. The draft of this new consumer privacy law would cons- that is being considered in mid-July by the U.S. Uniform Law Commission would allow for private lawsuits against potential privacy violators. Um, it also said the proposed Uniform Personal Data Protection Act discourages uniformity through its enforcement provisions. Yeah, I'm not I'm not super educated on this. This is where I lean on um, Howard Events mm-hmm. Association, who just spoke at SampleCon, so he might have had a POV on this. Um, kind of scary, a little bit scary here. We'll see if this passes and what happens. We tend to we tend to end up in a good spot in these situations as yeah. an industry. I don't think this is going to be a doom and gloom situation. I think it'll be fine, but something to keep an eye on, right? Right. I think the initial thought is, okay, yeah, let people sue the – you're thinking, all yeah. right, your big yeah. people who are not – who are, your big – I forget. Don't know the term. The big infractors. That, yeah. Hey, the ones who are always Google. doing this. Yes. Yeah. That, okay. But for someone like us, that's a death by a thousand paper cuts. Yes. Like every little tiny lawsuit, even if it's not, yeah. but having to fight all of those just because, or yeah. even if it's like, all right, here's the standard settle, it's still, that's a good chunk of a budget now that you have to put aside to deal with that. Absolutely. So even if you are in line, it's yep. still, it's cheaper probably to settle than it would be to fight it, even if right. you are. If you didn't break it. Right. This, more than anything else, I think, with what's going on in primarily the U.S., and I mean, it's happening everywhere, but primarily in the U.S. with all of the privacy laws, and we're in a unique position with 50 states and 50 laws and federal, you know, we've got a weird situation. This, more than anything, is to be an Insights Association member and to get involved and to, to empower yourself and learn about all this because the Insights Association, they're small, but they're mighty, and they... They're good at this, and they need help, probably. Right? We're yeah. fighting. We're in D.C. fighting for our industry. So, 
you know, I would encourage people to get involved if possible, but this is a little bit scary. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. We're going to switch gears on this next one. Okay. Mainly the story behind this is that um, this was actually emailed to us like we yeah. are a news site, which yeah. kind of made me feel a little good. Yeah. Well, people should. If you want us to talk about your news story, send us your press release. We'll talk. Yeah. I, I promise you, you send us a press release. I don't care what it is. We'll talk about it. Yeah. And that led us into this. This They yeah. sent us this press release when it went out. Yeah. Um, Pure Spectrum has expanded into the APAC region with a new headquarters in Singapore yep. and a new Australian office. Uh, the Sydney office will be, ha- will be headed by Anthony O'Brien, formerly of Sint, Australia, and Daniel So, please excuse me if I just butchered that last name, will be joining Pure Spectrum Asia. Well, first of all, Congratulations to Pure Spectrum for sending us the press release, and what a fantastic company they are. <laughs> um, it's always nice to have a press release, though, when you're talking about Singapore and Australia, right? Yep. They're not op- they're not opening up an office in like Alaska and you know some other country that yeah. you wouldn't want to go. That's amazing. So, I mean, good job to our friends over there at Pure Spectrum. I would try to get a flight to Singapore and Australia sometime, maybe this winter. Yeah. in the U.S. Summer there time, maybe, would seem, if we get allowed. Um, but, you know, it's always good to see partners and sampling expand. Um, they're growing. That's better for EMI. It's better for Pure Spectrum. It's better for the industry. So kudos to them. Good job. Next story is Effective Media and Marketing has launched a research panel subsidiary focused on fast-moving consumer goods called Ask Opinions. Now, I'm going to ask you this. What is considered a fast-moving consumer good versus a regular consumer good? Yeah, fast-moving consumer good would be something like toilet paper and um, potato chips. So stuff I buy at Kroger every week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Non-fast-moving consumer good would be um, an air conditioning unit, a car, a home, a boat, right? Okay. Okay. Now, that, I probably don't have the official definition there. That's how I think about it. You go buy something at Kroger, it's a fast-moving consumer good. They're stocking the shelves every day, right? Yep. Sometimes so multiple times a day. There's a Porsche dealership near me that does not stock in the shelves every day. Um, so that's how I think about it. Okay. Um, is this in the Netherlands? Is that right? I think so, yes. Yeah. So always good to have – I'm not sure how they're focusing on fast-moving consumer goods, but we need a lot of that. I mean, think of all the brands that are in store. Every brand, right? You know, eighty percent of the brands you can think of at the top of your head. They're all doing research. So the more we can research people that are buying those brands, which is general consumers, but if they're focusing on maybe they're doing some specific profiling, right? What they what it says is that they are combining shopper and purchase data from Effective Media Scoopy with online panel data. Yeah, perfect. This panel is primarily aimed at the fast-moving consumer good retailers, manufacturers, and brands. Perfect. So how often, what they're buying, how often they shop, those are insights that we all need, the brands need to make better decision-making. So we'll put them through our panel new partner um, process. Yeah. And um, they'll be part of our network. I think they would probably have some good quality too because it's easy to say, oh, I buy, you might have a little peep, a little bit of self-regulation in that for data quality yeah. but also you're going to easily weed out oh i buy yeah ruffles every week well according to your Kroger card data no you don't well that's always or been your a credit challenge. card data or that There's... or then it's like 
How much Coke do you buy? Yep. I buy. I only buy a 12-pack every yeah. two weeks. Well, no, this says you're buying <laughs> right. three 12-packs every three days. And that's going to be – once we start – this is something we haven't really yeah. talked about. When we start looking at stated data versus actual behavioral data, mm-hmm. is that a quality measure where you remove somebody in those scenarios that you said? I don't think you do because people – we know from a lot of areas of life – that either people's recollection of things is not what actually happened, right? Also, there's a psychology component yes. to it. You're going to try to put yourself yes. in the best light. So, yep. are you going to be? Am I going to be judged for drinking 36 Coca Colas in three days? Yep. That your doctor might have something to say about that. But yep. yeah, that's a bias in research as well that right. you want to say things that make you look better. Yep. Um, I don't think it's a data quality component. It's it's something that we need to learn as insights people then maybe we build models around it that you say you buy a 12 pack every two weeks when we know you buy two 12 packs every week you're off by 400 percent we can model for that right right and maybe that's in in um, soda that that insight then oh you know what double that yes and maybe in other areas you reduce it oh you said you buy all these healthy Fruits and vegetables, where actually you buy half of that, right? Yeah. We start kind of doing some weighting and things like that. It's not a quality component. It's just a – this is people. It's a human behavior psychology aspect that we as insights people, the more data we get, the more challenges we're going to have in things like this. Oh, you said this, but you actually did this. Well, how do we – we don't just remove the data. Well, I think the quality component comes in and says, well, do you – have you bought – let's keep using our Coke example. Have you bought a Coke product in the last month? Yep. Maybe like, yep. It shows, no, you haven't. Yeah. Not anywhere. Well, okay, now I'm going to start looking yeah. to maybe throw you out. Yep. Yep, exactly. Because maybe you're a Pepsi person and just want to mess with Coke's ratings or something like that. Absolutely. So um, this this is coming soon. All of these questions and many, many more that <laughs> we're talking about right now is coming to research near you ASAP. Well, it also – and I just thought of this. It also gets into using our Coke example. Yeah. You have to go to regional terminology too because yeah. if you're down in like Atlanta, Georgia, that kind of stuff, if yeah. you say Coke, that means all soda. It's a generic It means term. all pop. Yeah. Where if you said, did you buy a Coke? Well – yeah, I bought Coke, but they think of it as right. any sort of soda right. or pop, and maybe they bought Pepsi. Well, no, you didn't. Now you're like, well, this is from Georgia. That yeah, you might have to put start designing, knowing that oh, if I'm in that region, that kind of thing. That was a little bit of a tangent. My bad. No, it's good. Um, all the complex. This is all the complexities yep. that we have to figure out. Is as I'm using insights professionals as yep. a generic term because it's not just researchers. We're combining people that are experts on. Um, receipt data and shopping data with survey data um, and other forms of data and it's causing it's going to cause some challenges but these are good challenges this is good um next up is engine has launched a new platform called audience intelligence offering first-party data and integrations to enable advertisers to target certain audience profiles and develop their media plans um, cool stuff. Um, audience intelligence based on a combination of inputs, including nationally representative 25,000 person survey use population, includes passively aggregated purchase data. So it's kind of interesting. What is it? What is passively aggregated? I'm going to ask for a definition here. Um, my guess is they have um, an app that monitors their purchase behavior passively. 
So like a cookie on my browser? Kind of like a cookie on your browser. Okay. That's what I think they're doing. Um, it's kind of interesting when you do press releases like this, how you, you try to be as specific as possible, but be vague and... Specifically vague? Yeah. Yeah, you're being intentionally specifically vague. <laughs> um, because they're not going to say, oh, we, we're monitoring what you're doing. You know, they're not going to yeah. say that. Now, you kind of infer that. Yep. Um, but, the, you know, everybody's trying to do that. Everybody's trying to figure out what apps people are using, what they're doing on the apps, what they're buying, how much they're spending, connect to your bank account, just like the previous yep. topic, right? Um, so, um, I mean, I, I like to see innovation, and this is more innovation, and that's great. Yep. That rounds out all of our news stories for this week. Woo! Man, that's a lot of news. We haven't done news in a while, I feel like. No, it's been a few weeks. Yeah. So if you have news, it can be any news. If you have news, send us the news, and we will talk about it. I don't care if it's a press release. It doesn't have to be a press release. It could just be an email saying, hey, can you talk about this? Yeah. If you're going back to the office, if you hired a couple people, if you do anything, the sky is the limit. Think creatively. Send it to us. We'll talk about it on this show Yeah. Um, or any other topic. It could be I think I think that going back, who's coming back, who's not, yeah. what, are, what are other people's kind of going back to the office quote? Yeah kind of protocols i know we have our certain ones here that we're testing out we've heard of others that are fully back others that yeah. are hey we got rid of the office we're fully virtual now no more and that's, then there's a lot of people in that kind of those in-betweens it's interesting that you say that because i am now on a new subcommittee Uh-oh. with our diversity and um it's a diversity and education team through the glc of the insights association our diversity committee it's just a committee which, by the way, I've talked about this numerous times, but it was the first committee in all of, I think, the U.S. or yep. North America that was a diversity. I did not start the committee. I just joined later. But we have this has become so big that we now have four subcommittees within the diversity committee. I am on a committee about getting back to work and the diversity challenges that it faces. And we experience that here, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have some people that are here most days. You have some people that are here one or two days a week, like yourself. Yep. You have some people that are never here, right? Yep. And the influ- the challenges from a diversity standpoint, we have at least two people that no one's ever met in this office. Well, one was met last week by Mary. By one, by one, only one, one person, person has met them. We yes. have a person in California and a person in New York that only one person has ever met one of them. Right. And so what are the challenges of that? And so yeah. also... One of them is introverted, right? So that it's a mm-hmm. double challenge when you're introverted and you're remote. It's hard to build relationships with people, and so we are having a panel about that, and we're going to talk about it in the next month. Yeah, I it is difficult because I think I have talked with West Coast Amy, yeah, probably three times in email, and that's it. Yeah, me too. And, and she's been here what close to six months now. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Yeah, it is challenging. I know she's coming in the office. Hopefully, you know, I guess next month. Yes. Yeah. We're putting, we're, I talked to Jason yesterday and she's going to come in around a Reds game. Yeah. So I think we're going to have a Reds outing, which will be fun. I don't think she's ever been to a baseball game before. Maybe I'm making that up. No, I think that's what he said. Okay. And so that will be fun. Maybe we'll all get to go out because you don't just want her to come in and be in meetings all day long, right? And then go back to the hotel (laughs) with nobody. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have lunches, want to get to know her personally. You want to go to Red's game. You want to see what she likes and enjoys. And maybe you do something that she wants to do, right? Maybe she's like a historical tour of Cincinnati. Maybe she likes microbrew. Maybe Maybe she she wants wants to go to to iFly and go indoor skydiving. Go to a comedy club. Who knows? But we need to make sure we do all that. Hopefully she can stay for a while since it is a long flight. Um but 
the challenges of that is that's just one example. Yep. We've experienced a million examples of challenges of getting back in the office with the technology and noise and um, food and you know hours and kind of coming back to the office from a personal standpoint with yep. personal life. It's a big topic. Everybody's doing something differently. We thought that everybody was kind of doing a hybrid model. There's not everybody's doing the hybrid model. There's especially regionally, you know, obviously it's very different in, you know, in certain states than it is here yep. in Cincinnati. And and so uh, big topic, but more to come on that soon. Yep. Man, we had a lot of tangents today. We did. Well, cool. Um, hopefully y'all can go to the Great Lakes chapter of the Insight Association Fall Conference in Covington, Kentucky, September 8th through 10th. Send us your press releases. Um, what else do we ask people to send us? Something else. Oh, um, send us questions for our Ask Us Anything podcast, which yes. we'll, we just came up with yes. <laughs> on air. <laughs> we can't give you a time when that's going to come out. That will depend on how many questions we get. Yeah, hopefully in the next month or so we'll do a, yeah. something like that. And we really appreciate you all listening. Like us, share us, talk about us if you want. And we appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.